Today on Storytelling Secrets, we're going to talk about how to build your audience and sell them your course the right way. Let's get into it. Welcome to Storytelling Secrets. This is the podcast for coaches, consultants, and course creators who want to unlock their core stories and use the stories to sell more online. It's a place to master persuasion and influence so you can build a deep relationship with your audience. And it's a place where real-world marketing strategies, tips, and lessons are shared freely. If that interests you, then you're in the right place. Hi, I'm Jules Dan, and I've battled my way from being a broke group fitness instructor to a full-time, in-demand, freelance email copywriter. Now, I'm ready to get to work. Follow along on my journey as I share my everyday hard-won lessons. I'm Jules Dan, and this is Storytelling Secrets. to today's guest. It is Graham Cochran. He's a business coach, a YouTuber, and he's a host of the Graham Cochran Show podcast. And he's also the founder of the Recording Revolution. We get into his story on the podcast. It's super, super interesting, um, which was once a no-name blog turned to a seven-figure business that requires less than five hours of uh, work a week. And so Graham really specializes in passive income and selling a digital course on autopilot and I got him on the show because he's not one of those people you know when you say the word passive income you might hear some negative connotations he's a real deal and he's he's been doing this for a long time I'm super keen to have a chat with him other than that you know let's get into his show if you're interested to hear or learn more about Graham Obviously, check out his YouTube channel, but he's also got something called the 30-Day Online Income Jumpstart Guide, which is just at grahamcochran.com forward slash jumpstart. I'll leave that in the show notes. Other than that, let's get into today's episode. Hey, welcome back to Storytelling Secrets. I'm Jules Dan, and I'm joined by Graham Cochran, and we're going to be talking about a whole bunch of cool stuff about online courses in particular, um, memberships. Graham is he's got his own YouTube channel, he's on Instagram, he's on all the big platforms, and uh, I'm super, super pumped to have a chat with you today because we haven't had too many people come on and talk about that today or on the show, Graham. So yeah, keen to have you with us on the show. Yeah, man. Thanks for the invite. I'm glad we could sync up all the way across the world. <laughs> I know, right? I have a lot of people who, who you know, it's just, it just can't quite sync up, but I'm really, really glad I got you on your last time slot. So I really appreciate that. But I was wondering if you could tell my audience, you know, a little bit about the backstory, origin story of, of Graham, because everyone's got such a weird and wonderful journey. Um, love to hear yours. Yeah. I always wanted to be a rock star. That was my dream <laughs> to be, to be in music videos, to make songs, to tour the world. So I love the stage. I love performing and, uh, and I tried, man, I tried hard. So I, that dream kind of came to an end after I'd given it my all and it wasn't going to go any further and I needed to kind of make a living. I was, I proposed to my then girlfriend, now wife of uh, 15 years and I I knew I needed to provide. So I had to get serious. And that took me through like a three-year period of of soul searching because I I didn't know anything about business. So I just got a job and I was, what was I doing? I was selling radio advertising for a radio station, a local small town radio station. And I hated it, man. Like, I, I was the typical creative and then now I'm wearing a shirt and tie sitting in a cubicle trying to sell a product I don't believe in because I didn't believe radio advertising worked. And uh, I was like, what am I doing with my life? 
So it, it, that was like the, that was my, like you know, a lot of entrepreneurs have that I hated corporate America or corporate wherever I live. And mm. that was my, like, I never wanted to be here anyway. I wasn't, it was exactly what I thought it was going to be not for me. And uh, yeah, man, it wasn't until the global recession, 2009, uh, my family and I moved to my wife and I moved to another part of the States. Um, didn't know anybody. I got a new job. Um, and then four months in that company ran out of money. They let me go. And I just bought my first house. I just had my first baby. And there I was with no income in a unfamiliar place. It was really hard to get work during that time. I mean, it was a scary time, kind of like the last 12 months have been around yeah. the world as well. And dude, the one skill I had was recording bands. I had a freelance business before that was sort of like fun money. It wasn't what paid the bills, but it was like nights and weekends. Yeah. I'd record musicians and produce. So I was trying to just get more clients and I turned to blogging and I turned to YouTube thinking if I put myself out there, make some content, show people what I'm doing with the, the little bit of client work I did have, yep. that it would get my name out there and maybe I get some client work. And that was the beginning of what got me into content marketing and being an educator, online courses, all of that. Really interesting how you went from rock star to cubicle work to having shit hit the fan really hard. You can swear on this podcast, by the way. Um, and then <laughs> going from freelancing from what you have from your past experience, you say to, towards blogging and helping people with that, with, with their content. Well, it's helping people with their music. So that was what I knew. Right. So I knew music production had, I worked in yeah. a studio before. So it was like, I figured nobody would care about me if I just talked about myself. So I figured I should probably, talk about what people are looking for on the internet, which is in my niche, it was how to, how to record music well, or how to make my guitar sound like so-and-so's guitar, or how to whatever, what gear do I buy to, to set up a home recording studio? Gotcha. So I was answering those questions, thinking it would just be a bridge to get them to sort of, you know, I could sneak them in like Trojan horse. And then they would see like, Hey, I'm not good at this, but he is, maybe I'll just hire him to finish it. That was, that was the goal originally. Okay, cool. And and how many months did that go on for before you realized, um, you know, hey, uh, this could be a real thing to replace everything that was going on before? So it took a while. Like what didn't take a while was, believe it or not, uh, me cultivating a little bit of an audience online. It was probably small, but especially when I went to YouTube, I blogged for three months and then I started putting out some videos because I needed to sh literally show them something in video format. Yep. So I did some videos and it was early on, I could tell that people were connecting with the videos. Like they really liked them. They had good follow-up questions. So I had a sense there was something here, but dude, I had no idea there was a whole world of people making a living with their content, whether it was through sponsorships or through digital products like yeah. courses or memberships or coaching. I didn't know that was a thing. So I was like, man, maybe I could somehow leverage this audience into like a part of my income. So my goal was like, maybe I'll sell some sponsorships or banner ads, right? I was trying to sell banner ads for like gear companies um, on my blog. And so that was during this time we were on um, government assistance. They call it food stamps. Um, or snaps is what yeah, they call it now in the States. Yep. So we couldn't pay her for our grocery. I mean, it was bad. It was, it was like the lowest point of my life of like, dude, I can't even provide, but I didn't feel like I should go back and get a job job. Cause I felt like there was something here and I was trying to make the freelance side work. So it, that was like, it took me maybe 
six months of starting content to actually make my first few dollars online. But I made $7,000, I think, in my first calendar year. I mean, that wasn't much to live off of for sure. Yeah, not a lot. But, you know, you probably got that spark and you've been like, this is possible because I, yeah. I know some people for sure, like they can dabble for a couple of years and then literally nothing happens. But it sounds like you went really all in and then you, you saw what was possible. And then um, this is three years ago when, you know, people would only probably just starting to discover what it's actually possible with an email list and, and a course. And that's some of the stuff that I want to be definitely talking with you today. So when did you sort of realize that, um, I know this might be a bit of a jump from where you were in that part of the journey, but then when did you sort of realize like, Hey, I can teach other people to leverage their, their knowledge expertise and, and put inside a course or a membership. Yeah. I mean, I started that first business is called the recording revolution. I started that in 2009. Uh, and it took me two years to make what I call the full-time living. I was trying to make around $60,000 us a year. That was what my wife and I used to both make combined when we both worked full-time before she stayed home with our baby girl. And so I was like, man, if I could replace both of our incomes. So that was my first goal. It took me two years to get to that point. And then in year three, it was, it was really on momentum. It became six figures early on in year three. And so a few more years into that, we got to, we hit seven figures. Uh, and it was, it was like the couple of years before I hit that point, we were in the high six figures. I, I did an article with business insider. They was some, so I had a connection there. They wanted to interview me. They thought my story was interesting about how I, I taught people about music recording mm-hmm. and was making this, this living when that article dropped, it somehow got on Yahoo, the front page for like a day. And it just, it got a lot of buzz for a hot moment. And that brief moment in time, I started to get inquiries from all over the world for people that had, you know, gyms or other businesses that were like, Hey, wow, if you can do that in a hobby niche, like music, yeah, I could do that in my other hobby niche. And so they started to ask me for like coaching. <laughs> so this was happening around 2015 and I was coaching people. I was just helping people for free at first. And then I started to charge and I was like, dude, I, people, to me, it was kind of obvious. Like I had, I d- it didn't feel like I was doing anything very slick or very strategic. It, it just made sense what I was doing to me. And I, I thought everybody could Google how to do this and would figure it out. But there was something about what I was doing and how I did it and the way I explained it, that people wanted me to help them start their online business. So that's when I thought, dude, this is fun. This is almost as fun, if not more fun than talking about music. I want to start another yeah. brand and just talk about this all day. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. I love the place that you come from. It's it's not like a, let's go out to make money as the sole why. It's like, you're really enjoying this. People people came to you. And that's a thing as well. You weren't searching like crazy for clients. Um, and then you, you sort of realized, hey, I'm actually kind of good at this and gets me out of bed in the morning. And this is all really fun. So that's super, super interesting. And all the stuff that you talk about on your YouTube channel, that's what you were helping from with your earlier clients now, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And, that, and that's what I do now too. So it's just, I've been teaching people all, all I feel like anybody can do is teach what you know. And by teach, you really, some people don't like that word teach. Like some of my students, are like I'm not a teacher. I'm like, dude, I didn't feel like I was a teacher either. All I was doing was sharing. So maybe share is a better word. Just share what you know and the way you do it and the way you think about things. And that's that's all I've been doing, whether it's in music and now in online business. Yeah. Are you still doing with the the, um, the music stuff? 
Yes. Yeah, so the only change is this year actually stepped out from being the front face of that brand. And so now we've brought on other content creators. So I no longer doing work in that brand, but it's still going strong because the audience is so hungry for it and they're amazing. So okay, uh, that's cool. still kicking. And I just have now been able to focus full, full frontal or full focus on this brand, which has been what I wanted to do the last three years anyway. Yeah. All right. Well, let's, let's change gears to the game, Graham Cochran, personal brand with what you do with online courses, memberships, can you sort of run me through like what are the main pillars for say like success of an online course? We don't have to go into the nitty gritty, like everything, but just because I know some people, it's just so easy to get a brain fart of an idea. There are so many people teaching how to sell a course and, you know, success rate of courses are quite low. So I, I guess it's a bit of a long wind question, but like what are those success principles for, for someone who's thinking about monetizing their, their knowledge and actually making it happen? Yeah, it's a great question. Here's where I think people go wrong, in my opinion, is they're so fixated on selling a course that they're asking the wrong question. Like, how do I sell a course? Who do I sell it to? They're starting with a course. And I understand that that's what people want to start with. But the course isn't the asset. The audience is the asset. Like, you have to have an audience of people to do anything in this world, right? To to raise money for a charity. Like, you have to have eyeballs paying attention to what you're doing. Absolutely. So, if you talk about pillars, to me, audience is number one. So how do you get an audience? Well, there's different ways. A lot of people will run ads and try to buy an audience. Mm-hmm. I don't do any paid traffic. I do it all organic because to me, that always made sense, which was show up where people are looking for you. They're looking for you on YouTube or on a podcast or, you know, or Googling. And that's where your blog would show up if you had a blog. Yep. And so show up there by answering the questions that they're typing into YouTube or Google and, and, then if it's a free piece of content, it's not it's not an ad. People know it's not an ad. And then they can decide for themselves if, wow, what you share was helpful or not. And if it is, then you should be sharing helpful stuff. Now, now they are intrigued about who is this person? Like it, when the first time they find you, Julian, like who is this guy? This is really helpful. I like, what, I like his personality. There's that buy-in. So content is the most important thing I do because content is the pillar that leads to an audience. And that's, I guess... There's a few pieces that come together. The quick and dirty of it is content, lead magnet, which is like offering more value for free to get people in your email list. Absolutely. And then an automated email funnel that's well-written, right? Like, like you know all about that will then add value. You know, it'll establish authority and credibility and then it'll pitch a product, which is the fourth component, which is your digital product, which let's say it's your course. Mm-hmm. So those are the four pillars, content, lead magnet, email funnel, and course. But everyone wants to focus on the course and then they want to go backwards. How do I get people to hear about it and buy it? <laughs> I, I say, forget the course, like build an audience because if you have an audience, you could do whatever you want. You could sell, you could be an influencer and spell sponsorships, or you could do a live event. You could write a book, but, but if you have all the things, but no audience, then you're not going to make any money. So the audience really is the most important thing. And it's hard to build. It's slow to build, but it doesn't go away very quickly. Like it's, it's, it has longevity because you build a loyal tribe of people. They'll follow you. They'll do whatever. Um, and they'll, they care about what you care about. And that's, that's the most important thing I could say you could focus on is building that audience. Yes. While we're talking, talking about topic of audience, cause I know that is such a big pain point for so many people that they're like, get into tailspins, go into YouTube wormholes, trying to figure this stuff out. What was that number one thing that you struggled with when you first tried started to try and build your audience or like, maybe some mental roadblocks or what did you have to sort of get over to understand it? So, yeah, so many roadblocks, right? The first is imposter syndrome. Like who am I to teach this stuff? 
you know, some people say they don't struggle with it. I, I Maybe they don't, but I feel like all humans that I've talked to somewhere deep inside feel like, Ooh, like I don't want to be found out that I don't actually know everything. We don't think of ourselves as experts. So that's, that's a hard one. Even if you don't have a course yet to, to, to go past that friction of putting out your first YouTube video or podcast where you're like, this is a marketing podcast. I'm going to teach you about marketing, or this is a, yeah. you know, a fitness, but like that's scary because you're, you're virtually raising your hand and sort of telling the world, I know a lot about this, but then what if like you don't, or what if someone questions something you say, like yeah. I struggled with that forever for both brands. I actually had a, a, a college degree in audio engineering. So I was technically educated in my space. And I still felt like, who, like, who am I to teach audio engineering? I'm not a professor. I mean, I went to school for it, but I'm not a professor. So we, we struggle with that. Who am I? And if you get over that friction, there's the, how's anybody going to find my video in the sea of a bajillion other videos, or how's anybody going to hear about my podcast? And we kind of get self-defeatist about like, it's impossible to be discovered, uh, which actually is more and more not true, even though there's more content, I feel like a lot of these platforms, YouTube in particular, Google especially, are becoming more democratized. They're they're trying to change the algorithm to favor things that anybody has access to as a content creator. Relevancy uh, is a big one. So instead of like, for example, the recording revolution, my first business, I'm one of the largest, if not the largest YouTube channels in that little niche. Like 600 subscribers on the channel. It used to be if I put out a video on a topic and somebody searched for that topic, my video would rank near the top all the time because of the size of my audience. YouTube yep. would say, he must be relevant. He's got a big following. And then they changed it a few years ago. Or I started to notice brand new people in my space would do a video on the same topic and rank higher than me. And they have like 30 subscribers or 100 subscribers. And it was because they were getting more engagement, more comments maybe from some of their super fans or, or maybe they had an email list. I don't know, but... It, they weren't favoring the size as much as relevancy. So all that means is that it's a more level playing field than it used to be. Yep. And that's great. So I think that argument of I won't be discovered kind of goes away. You will be discovered if you make videos that people are looking for. Yeah. Right. That's okay. Or content people, right. It's so important, which it kind of goes back to like, and you know, this with good marketing and email, like it, it, you have to create stuff that people want. You have to put yourself in other people's shoes. What are they thinking? What are they feeling? And I literally think, what are they typing into YouTube right now in my niche? So a lot of times I was probably quite, I actually look at what YouTube, you know, people are typing in. And, yep. But I also just think from a human standpoint, like I know people in this space, what are they struggling with? They're going to type it into Google or YouTube. They're going to share their deepest, darkest secrets with those two platforms. So I'm going to make videos or articles titled those exact things or something similar if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. You're entering the conversation in their mind, um, which is always key. And I've always, I haven't gone into YouTube, but from the content I've seen that a lot of people just say, you just, it's a how-to sort of structure uh, platform. So you're basically answering people's questions in those titles. And um, obviously those thumbnails got to be irresistible, but you know, we, we could go into down in a huge YouTube wormhole, but I really wanted to focus on, on online courses um, so let's just say, okay, maybe we can, you, maybe you can suggest another resource to help them build their audience, but let's just say they're starting to build an audience. They've gotten the lead magnet and they're trying to get them through. Now, what's going to be that messaging to stand you to stand apart from everyone else to help you sell the course when they come through, you warm them up in your email sequence. Like, what does that look like? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of ways to do it. You, 
if you think, for example, you actually have the best course on this subject, if you feel like it's pretty, you, you could go that angle of like, look, this is like the best course mm-hmm. on the subject. That's something that I don't feel comfortable saying because it's like, that's almost setting yourself up to be picked apart. Like, well, really, why is it the best? So I don't want to be the best. I don't try to be the best. I do try to be different though. Um, so for example, I'm in a very crowded niche now in the online course space, teaching people how to make online courses, start online businesses. Sure. There's angles of like, this can make you this amount of money. There's angles of this can make you money fast. My angle is, well, what, I'm, what am I good at? I'm good at like passive income. Like I, I don't do launches really. I, I have like, it's mostly automated. So I'm really good at like having these courses sell automatically without ads. So I position it as like, my course will teach you how to build an online business from the ground up. If you don't even know what your idea is, that is, can be put on autopilot. You don't have to run ads. You don't have to spend a lot of money. You only have to spend a few hours a week. And once it's spinning, it will print money for you automatically without you having to do a lot because that's what I'm good at. That's what I've done. And so that's the angle I take for the course. There's a lot of similar things that I teach in any other course about online courses would teach, but there's a difference there. So I try to, I guess, maybe focus on my differences. And then I'm also banking on my leads are coming through my content. So they've already been exposed to my teaching. They, at this point, I'm banking on them liking me or the way I explain things or my personality. And that's going to help them say, well, I'd rather learn it from Graham because I've, I've learned a lot from him for free. So those are two important things for me. Yeah. So first, my audience, it doesn't matter whether you're in Graham's niche or not, or niche, whatever you want to call it, online courses. It's all about finding that point of difference and that USP and then doubling down on it. Um, so if yours is about you know automating the whole process, passive income, you're not working really hard in it. You're just sort of creating asset first and then profiting off it after. How do you get, because sometimes some people might be feeling on the fence, they might be sitting on the fence they might not be believing that, you know, they can do it. So maybe you could tell my audience a little bit how you might use stories or, or different examples in your email follow-up to make sure that, that people believe like, Hey, this is possible. Hey, I could do it. Cause I guess there's two cells there. Yeah, that's a great point. So that's a good distinction that a lot of people don't make when you're selling, right. Is a, is this possible? So there's like social proof and that can be like my story. Like, look, just, this is my story. So I try to share, Literally in the sales copy for that course in particular, I'll share a little bit of what I shared earlier of like, look, I was, I hated Sunday evenings taking out the trash because I would sit out there in the evening and I'm like, it's like the quiet of the evening before going back into work to a job I hate tomorrow morning, Monday morning. And I would just sit there and like, look up at the sky and pray like, God, help me to find a way to do something I don't hate every day. Like Mm. it was just those moments. And so I would share that story which is a real story that real people can realize, man, this guy was where I was. There's that empathy piece, which is really important. But then I sort of share where I've come from and what I've learned because you have to have been able to been there before. So they go, wow, he's done it. It's possible. But that is a separate thing of it's possible for me, right? Which is what you, you, you touched on, Julian. Yeah. So how do you convince someone it's possible for them? That's harder, I think, because they might have so many mental scripts or mental blocks that it doesn't matter how good your copy is. If they're just they don't believe it's for them and they probably then won't buy. But a lot of times it's social proof of other students. It's for me, it's social proof since it's money and the like of people at different levels. So don't just showing people that are making $10,000 a month, show people that I'm, I'm now making $2,000 a month, you know, off this course. Like 
that's a real achievable thing for a lot of people. And it might be more grounded in reality to them. So when I, I don't try to show huge numbers, even for myself, I just try to show like what the benefit of this course does for my life. What well, allows me to, I don't have to work that many hours. I can have dinner with my family every night. I can take weekends off every weekend. I can travel things that are pretty approachable. I'm not, I'm not in front of a Ferrari and I'm not talking about Good. gobs and gobs of I'm money. I'm glad you know that you, guy. <laughs> yeah. I sold a Ferrari and got a minivan instead, but no, it's, you know, like I want to be approachable. And that's also part of my, my brand is like genuine, authentic, approachable. I'm a normal person. Um, but that is important. Show them that like, I think, especially in my niche, and maybe everyone can feel this way. There's such an insecurity if you're the course creator to have credibility and social proof that you might want to flash all your credibility, but you don't, you don't realize that sometimes that's a put off to people because it seems like bragging or it seems unapproachable. And so there's a fine line between showing that you're credible. People want to buy from someone who's done it. They want a guide, right? Donald Miller story brand. They want a guide who's been there, but they want a guide who's empathetic, which is what Donald Miller would say, who can, can relate to them and as human and is on their level and not above them looking down. Yeah. Like so key, what you just said, you got to be that guide in the story. That's so pivotal for these, these follow-ups. And, and like you said, so one thing I do with my clients and I, we, we do an actual launch, um, but we don't do that sort of that automated launch. But I thought it'd be interesting to tell you that, you know, I go really deep into their stories, the customer stories and to find, pull out certain objections so that that way we can show that real empathy and we're not, we're not just really guessing. And, you know, I'm sure you've had, I know you said, I've mentioned, I've watched some of your YouTube videos. You have Zoom calls with some of your success students. So that is how you would, I'm, I'm just guessing here, but is that how you would go in and find out these sort of like objections and then turn them into stories so you actually sound empathetic when you're t- talking to your customers? Yeah, I mean, that's a that's a absolutely a great tool. For example, I was on a call yesterday with one of my students in the UK and he was sharing something in passing about how his ex-wife, one of the contentions with them in their marriage at the time was that he was starting to get excited and reading books that got him ambitious about just changing the way he did life and maybe, maybe having a different monetary ambitions. He wanted to make more money and he wanted to try something different. And she just was like, pulling him down. And she's like, you can't do this. You shouldn't want to do that. Like you're poisoning our kids by mm-hmm. giving them these ideas that they can be more like, she just couldn't rise to his level and it, it threatened her. So she was pulling him down. And I'm realizing now in conversations with him, he was starting to tell me like that he now is afraid of making money. He he'll almost self-sabotage. He'll believe it's possible for other people, but not himself. And that's a real story that then I can, I can tell that to other students or potential students of like, look, have you ever felt this yeah, way? Like maybe cold. you, you, you know, and that's real. And that's like a real person. So yes, I love what you're doing. I think when you talk to real people, especially if you actually care to know people's stories, you'd be like, gosh, yeah, that sucks. Like I would hate to be in that position. That's real. And someone else is going to identify with that. Absolutely. It's such a powerful tool. Um, and I highly recommend for my audience to do that. If you're ever thinking like, what's some content, what's some fodder I can use to sell stuff, just get on the phone with people. It's so powerful. Um, I, I do want to ask you uh, somewhat of a bit more of a personal question, Graham, and that is um, with all the success that you've had, um, what's an area of improvement that you want to change or focus on the next six months when it comes to turning more leads into um, like course, into people buying the course or turning leads into um, your six-figure coaching uh, online program? Yeah, I think 
So it's interesting that with the name of your podcast and what you focus on storytelling, like one of my struggles is telling stories I, because I'm not much of a story person by default. I'm very much pragmatic. Like I want, I don't want the story when I read something like I just want someone to tell me how to do it. So yep. I teach that way. And I assume that other people are like me. So my content has historically in both brands been very pragmatic. Like here's this, here's the secret. Here's how you step do it. One step two, step three, go. Absolutely. And people really appreciate that. Cause it's very yeah. clear, but I'm learning and literally was listening to one of my students today. Who's telling me, Graham, you got to share your story more in our community. Cause I shared a story. Oh, we had a coaching call last week in my six figure coaching community. And, uh, cause we're, I'm selling a, a rental property that used to be a house I used to live in. And I started my first business in this back office in this house. And, uh, I was just sort of sharing, like, I'm going to go over there this week before the new owners get in there and like have a moment in that room and like shoot a video of like, this is where my business started. This is where I had nothing and didn't know what I was doing. And I was like anxious and stressed out. And here's where I would shut the door. And, and I was telling the story. And so the student was following up with me being like, Graham, dude, you got to share those stories more often, share more of your life because everyone's like loving it because it feels real. Mm. And I just struggle with doing that. Cause I assume, why does anybody care about like, they don't care about me. They care about their, their success, which is yeah. true. But I do that to a fault where I don't share enough. So I, what I'm working on to your question is being more open about my story and assuming that people want to hear it. Um, because I, I usually default the other way that they don't want to hear it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for opening about that because I know so many people will be listening to this podcast and might be thinking, you know, oh, you know, is, am I too just focused on my own self-interest or I really want to serve my audience at the most highest value, uh, like level. So um, yeah, thank you for sharing that. Um, really, really interesting. I, I always, because it's cause you're interesting because I watched some of your videos and you talk about using story selling. Um, so, okay. D- different perspective. Um, especially when you're talking face to face. And one last question I want to ask um, is that what's your biggest obstacle right now? So um, I know what do you want to focus on, but I, I, not necessarily like trying to throw you on a bus, but like, is it like a, a mindset thing or is it a team thing or is it like figuring out some sort of new media or I'm just curious to know what's going on in your world. So a new thing I'm doing is um, I'm writing a book. And so I, I actually have written the book. I got uh, a publishing deal with the publisher. The book comes out next March. Yep. Um, and that's a new challenge. It's something I've always wanted to do. So partly that's part of the challenge is like I wrote the book, delivered the manuscript, and soon I'll be getting whatever revisions back from my editor who will tell me like <laughs> how much we need to like completely destroy or start over. So that'll be, that's a challenge I'm going through. Yep. But related to that is um, I'm stepping out and trying something else, which is I'm going to launch another podcast so the, the podcast I have is sort of a monologue podcast. It's just me teaching, but I'm launching another podcast uh, called how to become a New York times bestselling author. And it's going to be a limited run series. And since I don't know how to become a New York times bestselling author, and it's a yep. dream of mine, I'm going to interview New York times bestselling authors and ask them how they did it. And so I've begun the process of trying to land some high profile interviews with some superheroes of mine, whose books have been influential to me. And that's been a scary 
hard tactical new thing for me, which is out of my comfort zone. Cause I don't need to do this podcast. It's, you know, it's not for money-making, but it's a new era that I'm trying to get into, which is the author speaker space, just because I want to be it. Like I already have the business. I could just chill, but I, I love going back to the beginning of this episode going yeah. back to my rock star dream. I love being on the stage. I love the live energy. And so speaking is something I love doing. I love sharing ideas. A book is something I want to do. So that's my thrust in the next year or two or three or seven, hopefully is to do something like that, write, speak and, and get out of my comfort zone. Cause it's actually a, a, a passion that I have that I haven't been able to fulfill yet. How to be, how to become a New York times bestseller. That's, that's like what we we're just talking about before you're answering the question in people's minds. So good title, man. Um, yeah, there you go. What, what's the, what's the name of the book that you're trying to write right now? Yeah, it's called How to Get Paid for What You Know. Again, like just you just know the question to ask. Okay, that's awesome. How far through are you through that book? Is it just like is this an open loop for the next year or is this coming out soon? It's coming out March of twenty two. So yeah, the book's right. written and we're just in the, the revision phase and then we'll get into the marketing and pre selling phase later this year. Yeah. All right, cool. Um awesome. I think we've covered a lot on here. Is, is there anything you wanted to, you know, leave with my audience, especially when it comes to, let's just focus on online course creation, like any of the tips or advice or anything like that? Yeah, man. I think one of the biggest things I, I hear people saying is like, Hey, I've tried all the things and it's not working. And my follow-up question is how, well, how long have you tried? And I, I just want to encourage people listening that sometimes this takes a long time. It took me, a solid two years to make any substantial money. And I was doing it full time. Like I was trying hard full time every day uh, because I didn't know what I was doing. And I think if you know what you're doing, you can go a little faster. But I think if you're playing the long game of content marketing, if you're willing to create a resource on the internet, whether it's podcasts like this or a YouTube channel or a blog, that even if you never made any money off of it, you would feel proud of this curated resource of great free content that you made that you know would actually help people. If that was the way you viewed your content, I think you actually will be successful, but that's the mentality you have to have. And that takes a long time for some, it did for me in both brands, but it pays off because it's like planting a bunch of seeds that you don't see a whole lot of crop anytime soon. But if you want crop in a year, you better start planting now. And so give yourself grace, give, be patient. It might be slower than some of the, the guys that are, running these slick Facebook ads that seem to make money in 24 hours, but it's real. And the slow way is a real way to go. So be patient. Yeah. That's that's a really good point. Um, Cause so many times I find that you, you just, you keep throwing content, you keep testing hooks, you see what what wants to land. And sometimes you just need to be reminded that it's, it's not whether all about the leads or the sales. It's like, whether you're proud about leaving something that's actually going to help people in the end. And, I think that's a really good takeaway. Graham, where is the best place for my audience to find you? I know you've got, you said you've got a podcast, you've got a YouTube channel, but where's the, well, like while we're here, what's the best place for you to find, uh, for people to find you? Yeah. If you prefer a video, then, you know, Graham Cochran on YouTube. Um, if you prefer a podcast, it's the Graham Cochran show anywhere you listen to podcasts. Uh, and I, I have content going out on Instagram at the Graham Cochran, but actually, to be honest, I've taken the last year off of social media. So it's just my assistant posting some of my content for me, but I'm not there engaging. And it's, yeah. uh, I've got an episode coming out actually next week uh, from when we're taping this about 
the update on that that year off because people have been asking me and I think it'll well, continue to be a, a break because it's been great being off of it. I don't miss it. Well, it'd be really interesting to know because that dopamine detox um, movement is really big. Um, are you still using a smartphone or is it just social media? Yeah, I still use a smartphone, but I don't have any notifications on. I never did. Yeah. Um, but I found myself, yeah, like on Instagram, like just checking to see if people were liking and to, that do, uh, looking for that dopamine hit. Um, and it's just not a productive use of time. I'm really big into efficiency. And then when I just analyze my business, like, dude, it literally doesn't move the needle for me. For some businesses, maybe hitting people up in their DMs to get clients is the way to go. But because I rely on content, it's evergreen. It's always working for me. There's no reason for me to be on social media unless I wanted to be. And for me personally, I don't miss it now that I've been off of it for a year. Well, awesome open loop. You're the master of open loop this episode. So definitely, <laughs> definitely going to be checking that out um, next week. So Graham, thank you so much for coming on to Storytelling Secrets. Hey, thanks for having me, Julian. Oh, what a gentleman. He called me Julian at the end. How official. Anyways, that's it for a wrap for today's episode. Hope you enjoyed it. Again, if you want to go jump or you want to grab Graham's 30-day online income jumpstart guide, it's going to be in the description below. Other than that, thanks for tuning into Storytelling this week. If you got some value out of it, tell a friend about it. Share the good stuff about Storytelling Secrets. We're slowly growing. Um, and if you really, really liked it, go leave a review hit subscribe and tune in to Monday's solo episode. Bye for now.